All right, let's go hour number two on a Tuesday. We hope you're having a good one. It's Chad and Zay. I'm Chad Hastings. He is Isaiah Collier. And if you're not going to host a regional, South Beach is pretty good consolation prize, right? At least for the people covering the event. And for the team itself, I would assume that's a pretty good thing to do. Uh, go and hang out in Miami a little bit. And it also means, based on the bracket, Texas would not immediately match up in a super regional with Wake Forest. I know a lot of fans were looking at that uh, about would Texas end up as that 16 seed possibly. That actually goes to Alabama. If Bama gets through, they would have to go to Wake Forest in that 116 matchup. We'll get into more baseball talk coming up here. We talked about Miami winning game seven and setting up our NBA finals, Miami and Denver. They crank it up on Thursday. Still got another day or two to rest up for that one, 7.30. It's all on ABC for the NBA finals. It's all on TNT for the NHL finals, and it is clear now that Vegas is better than Dallas this year. Wow. Damn. Six nothings, eh? Mm. Six nothing in Dallas? That's brutal. That means between those two games, what did they look like? Ten nothing? The last two times they were in Dallas, am I doing that math right? It's tough, man. At least two of the games together? Wow. It's tough. Man. Um, so, Stanley Cup Finals didn't start till Saturday on TNT, Florida and Vegas. And, stupid little fact, uh, this is the history has never been an NBA and NHL team in the same metro area have never won the championship the same year. So Florida and Miami are trying to pull that off. It's been 10 years since anybody even had an opportunity to do it, but the two teams have never done it in the same year. So maybe something to keep an eye on. All right, so we'll talk more about that as we roll along. Also, a little later in the show, Zay has found another chat GPT list and discussion that we will get into. Right now, though, let's go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline, talk about this Texas baseball team and the regional that is before them with Joe Cook of Inside Texas on 3.com at Joseph Cook 89 on Twitter. Joe, hope you had a, a good long weekend, brother. How are you? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it uh, had to be uh, obviously a weird one for you. You cover Texas baseball for a living, and they weren't really a part of that Memorial Day weekend in terms of games, but we knew they would be a part of the regional, uh, obviously, once it got set. Tell me what your initial thought was once you thought. We knew going in, Texas, um, you know, by the time they announced the, the overall bracket, we knew they weren't hosting a regional. What did you think about where they were placed? You know, I, I kind of had this sense that they would be one of the top-rated two-seeds. Um, and so maybe I had this idea that they'd be a two-seed and whoever was number 15 or number 16 and, and that. But the, the committee went in other directions, threw them to Miami. And, you know, looking around, it's not a, a regional that just has this, you know, super stacked team in it. I mean, Miami's obviously really good. Uh, finished third, I think, in the ACC and you know, the number one team in the country is in the ACC. Clemson's not too far behind them. And then it's Miami. So it's a quality team. But um, it's not, you know, of the 16 draws, I don't think it's the toughest regional. Um, I think there's good balance. Um, obviously, Louisiana's good program has been in the Sun Belt for a while. And uh, even though I, th- I think Southern Miss took it home, I think Louisiana's been a pretty good team in that conference. And that's been a strong baseball conference. Maine, you know, kind of surprising to hear about the Black Bears. Uh, but, you know, when you win the America East and you win the America East tournament, you find a home. So um, 
definitely some. Uh, I don't think there's just this overpowering team. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami's the favorite just because they they are the national seed. But uh, it, it's definitely a, a regional. I think that Texas looked at, saw it, and thought, you know what, this is a little bit better than some of the other alternatives. You know, we're not getting sent to the box in, in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. and you know, we're not getting sent to play at 10 p.m. versus Stanford at a, against a team that can really, really pitch. So. Uh, all in all, I don't think Texas is that upset with it. I don't think they're like, yes, we, we're, we're going there. I think <laughs> they, they understand that there's a challenge ahead of them, and, and that challenge, first of all, starts with a, a Louisiana program that's been solid over the past few years. Yeah, Joe, if I'm Coach Pierce, we're not even going to see any glitz and glam of Miami. South Beach, no, nah, we ain't going to see that. We'll probably be in Little Havana the whole time until we go play. That's just locked in. Don't let South Beach get you distracted because we know it could distract people. But for Coach Pierce and this baseball team, Joe, with what we saw against Kansas and Kansas State in the Big 12 tournament, what's the morale of this team? Because we know it's baseball. The hotter you are, the more success you'll probably have at the right time, and clearly that's not this Horns team. Seems like it's pretty good. Uh, Coach Pierce said yesterday, kind of after they had the the selection show, that uh, they came back and had two days of practice on Friday and Saturday. Uh, Tanner Witt pitched on Saturday about three and a third of a, I don't, I think it was an inter squad game, not even just a simulated game, but an inter squad game. Uh, so they came back, they were working already. And, uh, even Dylan Campbell mentioned that there was a little bit of, you know, it's not good to play baseball angry because it's not like football or playing angry helps, but there was a, what, what David Pierce said, he, he said he found an edge in, in some of uh, Dylan Campbell's words indicated an edge and that was something that uh, coach Pierce was was pretty happy to hear about so um, they know that what happened in in Arlington is not uh, what they want to have happen in the regional obviously because then that would end the season uh, but they they came back it sounds like with the a good mindset uh, by all accounts and ready to to get to work and then head out to Coral Gables to start the postseason journey Talking with Joe Cook inside Texas. Uh, Joe, obviously the Longhorns have uh, had plenty of situations where they're that number one seed in a region, and then you get the four. Those two threes can be weird. Um, what do we know about Louisiana at this point? I can look at a 40-22 and 22 record. Uh, a 40-win team sounds impressive, but how strong of a three seed do you feel like Louisiana is? I mean, let's let's put it this way: the Sun Belt is not a major conference. It's a quality baseball conference, but it's not a major conference. And it was a multi-bid league, so I think that's one way of looking at it. Mm. Uh, they were an at-large selection because, yeah, I, I do think Southern Miss actually ended up winning the the Sun Belt. Uh, they had a really good RPI, number forty-seven in the country, and they've got some quality. They've got some quality pitchers, uh, including a reliever at Cooper Rawls, who's been pretty lights out over the course of the year so uh, a lot of familiarity coach pierce said that the the head coach of louisiana matt deggs uh he succeeded david pierce when david pierce left san houston state for tulane i think i have that order right and you know louisiana uh it's not just lsu who does well in baseball there it's it's la tech and it's also uh louisiana uh, so they get some good players off the I-10 corridor. They can dip into Texas. They can go into North Louisiana. I wouldn't be surprised. I need to do a little bit more research. Wouldn't be surprised if they had some SEC transfers looking to come back home. So it's a quality team. Uh, it's one that, that you know they they care a lot about. 
uh, baseball there in Lafayette. I remember a couple of years ago, I think Texas opened their season there, and it was a packed crowd uh, on that side of the river. So uh, it's definitely a, a good team, one that played their way into the tournament, uh, not by winning a conference tournament, but by having a quality regular season. And uh, they'll be they'll, they'll be ready to give Texas their best shot uh, come Friday afternoon. Joe, we know after Memorial Day, the football season is right around the corner. Guys are starting to get back on campus. Those freshmen that weren't here during, you know, the beginning of January are starting to come in too. And Steve Sarkeesian, he's added a couple of guys to his staff and Paul Christ and Joe K. Demelis, uh, the old Rams special teams coach. And I just mentioned Paul Chris, old Wisconsin coach, and also Payam Sadat. What do these guys mean or what do these guys bring? to the coaching staff because we know Gary Patterson is no longer with the squad. Yeah, obviously the, the biggest name I think is, is obviously going to be Paul Chris. Um, if I remember right, maybe about 13 years or so ago when, when uh, Mac Brown was trying to find an offensive coordinator, Chris was one whose name came up and, you know, eventually I think Bert, Brett Bielema left Wisconsin for Arkansas and then Wisconsin tabbed Chris who had then gone to, to Pitt at the time. But, Either way, this is somebody who uh, believes a lot in what a lot of the similar things that Steve Sarkeesian and even Kyle Flood do in the run game. I think um, you know one of the jarring things about Chris being let go at Wisconsin and then them turning around and hiring Phil Longo is just the clash in styles that that is, as, at least as offensive coordinator to lead that Badger offense. Because um, Paul Chris was... We're going to get these big linemen. Hey, you know who else likes big linemen? Kyle Flood and C. Sarkeesian. All right, we're going to have a run-first attack. You know who else has a run-first attack? Kyle Flood and C. Sarkeesian. And, you know, I think one of the differences is Paul Chris may have never had the quarterback play that he's going to have available to him in Austin. So uh, it's a lot of meshing of uh, philosophy, uh, you know, a lot of overlap there, and just another set of eyes to maybe try and find an extra edge, whether it be, you know, something with tight ends, something with some two-back sets that maybe Texas hadn't considered in the past. As far as, uh, you know, when you hire a – there's something about being in the NFL for that long. I know it's kind of a league where there are a lot of retreads and guys who just get hired because somebody else hired them. Uh, But you don't stick around for multiple decades as a result of that. And when you can get a special teams guy uh, to bolster an already – pretty special pretty special special teams unit that that texas had they were really good on kickoff return uh really good on kick coverage uh burt auburn and will stone were quality and you know after uh, and, and daniel trejo had a pretty solid year so you're going to have another uh guy who gets the schematics of special teams uh gets how it operates in the sport um you know with the the rules that have kind of limited the importance of it and Try to find, you know, it's it's kind of cliche, but it is true. Those extra yardage, if you can get somebody to start, you know, on their own 17 instead of their own 25, that's another set of downs that they basically have to earn to try to make their way to the end zone. So that one's important. And then uh, Payam Sadat, I believe he's been a longtime coach out on the West Coast. Um, not sure exactly uh, the connections that he's got, uh, but, you know, it, it's definitely – um, a longtime coach who's got a lot of chops, who's been around for a while, may not exactly be Gary Patterson, but there's only one Gary Patterson, and 
uh, I think what our Bobby Burton at Inside Texas has kind of illustrated is this is just Steve Sarkeesian trying to in, infuse as much knowledge uh, about the game of football into his program as possible. Uh, and that's knowledge that he's infusing in, in all three phases as well. So good ads and uh, should uh, hopefully we'll be able to see some positive benefits in the fall. Yep, Got to take advantage of what they allow you to do in college football, bringing in a lot of different analysts and ideas and um, and other coaches to help out. Joe Cook inside Texas joining us. One more from me, Joe. Uh, we were talking earlier about the future of the SEC. Uh, Texas folks, Oklahoma folks are in Destin, Florida, at least listening to things and trying to develop relationships, but they don't really have a vote on what happens here. Um, deep down, do you think the Longhorns – are being? Do you think they've been told maybe there's a nine-game conference schedule coming, or do you think as long as they play OU, they might be talked into the idea of you know old-school SEC style, play some easy non-conference games, have that easy November game, and then you know you'll play the Aggies every once in a while. Yeah, that's that seems to be the. Uh... Tens of millions of dollars of questions worth uh, <laughs> there in Destin because it's it kind of all hinges on ESPN. I read a Ross Dellinger article about how basically if they want to go to nine, yes, they they want the investment. They want ESPN to start paying for those games, and I think Dellinger said it'd be about five million per. Ooh, ESPN is not in a really great. It's not in a great place right now. I mean, they're they're going through layoffs, and Dellinger's article is great on Sports Illustrated. It lays it all out. So part of me just, I mean, I, I think Texas would like to have an opportunity at an extra SEC home game every other year because of the fact that they play in Dallas. Um, but there just seems to be so much prevailing notion in the money not being there, uh, more importantly, to where it looks like it's going to be eight. And, I know for you know I, I know that both schools, not just the athletic departments, but but the schools, they value that rivalry uh, in the Cotton Bowl, that tradition, that game every year so much to where, of course, they'd like to play A and M every year as well if you're Texas, but if they're going to protect uh, in ink one of those two games, they're going to protect the Cotton Bowl and, and the Red River Showdown because. They pump money into the Cotton Bowl. They have deals with the city of Dallas. They like their tradition, and they know how how much the fan bases both value that game. Uh, so now, does that mean that there maybe couldn't be like a special carve out where one of those seven is always going to be A and M? I feel like that's kind of easy, but I, I don't know how scheduling works in that way, and if the math checks out because then. If it's going to be Texas and Oklahoma, then it almost has to be A&M and LSU, or maybe it's A&M and Arkansas. Like that's the thing that's so confusing about all this, and just makes it um, such a you know big question this week going on in Destin. As far as Texas goes, I, I feel like they'd like to have the opportunity at an extra home game against a marquee opponent um, instead of you know I don't think Texas is going to go the FCS route. I don't think they've scheduled an FCS team in about almost 20 years and there are more fbs teams in texas now i mean san houston state made the jump uh you got utep you got uh you know if you don't want to play any of your former big 12 brethren uh, you got <laughs> north texas you've got utep in surrounding states you've got tulsa arkansas state new mexico new mexico state 
whatever schools from Louisiana you want to grab. So if they do go eight games, I mean, there are options available, but I feel like if they go eight games, that Oklahoma game is going to be the one that protected because that's the one they care about most. And not to say they don't care about Texas A&M, but I don't think people care about – I think if you gave Texas fans the option, they'd want to beat OU before they'd beat A&M. Yeah, no, I, I, agree. I, think, I agree. I think that would be definitely would be the case. I tell you what, that'd be a bold move. If you have four non-conference games to mess with and Texas set up something with one of the former Big 12 schools. Mm, I'd rather play Mary Hart and Baylor. Wow. <laughs> that would be wild if it's TCU. Ba- mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you want, Zay? TCU, Baylor, or Tech? Your choice. Mary Hart and Baylor. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, want. I don't think any of those four are going to get the call if, if current leadership has much of a, a choice in the matter. Man. Wait, Damn. who'd I leave out? A TCU, Baylor, Tech. Who am I leaving out? They'll leave somebody Houston, else in the state. U of H. Oh, Houston, right. The new one that's coming. You're right. Yeah, yeah. You, you new one that's coming in. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get a lot of calls. I think you're right about that. That's Joe Cook inside Texas on 3.com. He's at Joseph Cook 89 on Twitter as we get ready for Texas in the Miami Regional. Joe, we appreciate the time as always, man. Enjoy the start of the tournament. And hopefully next week we are talking some super regional. Would be great. Thank you, guys. Thank you, man. Uh, By the way, Zay, to just kind of illustrate the point he was making about uh, how the bracket could look a little different, A&M is also a two-seed in a region just like Texas. They did get sent out to Stanford. Stanford, San Jose State, Cal State, Fullerton, and the Aggies. Damn. That's the four. It's the Aggies and a lot of bras hanging out for the weekend. A&M's first game is scheduled to start at 9 o'clock our time Friday night. Good luck. That's what he's talking about, right? So Texas didn't get one of those. That's a rough thing to do to take those central, and it's the only regional that's west. If you've looked at the map or considered it, it's the only one. Everybody else is pretty much central and east and everything. So it's the Aggies that have to go all the way out there and deal with the time switch and deal with the jet lag and all those things, and they play Cal State Fullerton at 9 o'clock on Friday. Oof. Interesting. One of the powers. Yeah, Longhorns do not have to deal with that. They play Louisiana at 1 o'clock on Friday, and then the uh, other game happens after that. The Miami-Maine game will be a 6 o'clock start, scheduled time. We'll keep our eye on the weather as well. It's Miami, Florida, so there's a chance it could rain a little bit on Friday. They'll work around that. Up next, we'll get you a flex segment. Two more teams advanced in 7-on-7, plus some cool videos for you to check out. Stay with us. It's the Horn. Chad and Zay. This is some high-pitched stuff right here. This is way up there. Uh, Okay, Cool It Now is... See, there's something that immediately popped in my head, but I don't think it's... It's nobody big time, right? It's not a big time group. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay, so the first thing that popped in my head was New Edition. There we go. It is New Edition. It's New Edition. All right, okay. All right, there's there's something else then that was going to take me away, so I'm glad I went with the gut. Yeah, so this is young, 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 young Bobby Brown. Yeah, before the cocaine. So at this point, it's Bobby, it's the Bell Biv DeVoe guys, right? But it's not Johnny Gill, no, right? Johnny Gill took Bobby's spot. 
But uh, three. So Johnny's le- and then uh, Ralph Tresvant. Yeah, Ralph. Is a part of this part. Yeah, he was supposed to be the next Michael Jackson. That's right. How'd that work out? <laughs> did it happen? I'm telling you, the cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> is that what did it? Yeah, Michael didn't have them problems. He just had daddy issues. Yeah, yeah. Not many people have started a sentence when Michael didn't have those problems. <laughs> That's it. You know, Michael didn't have those problems. Other things, yeah. but not those particular yeah. problems. By the way, speaking of Michael Jackson, you just reminded me. My wife and I just sat through both parts of the Brooke Shields documentary, and Michael is a small part of it. But if anybody is a child of the 80s, remembers Brooke Shields, the career, the run, the movies, and all, it's fascinating. It is a fascinating story. She sits down and tells the whole thing, and you just kind of go back in time and look at the way she was portrayed at such an early age, and it does not age very well. Like a sex symbol. Uh-huh. But yeah. That's yeah. how I always knew Brooke Shields. Like? Like the fitness stuff. Like, that's what I remember, Brooke yeah. Shields. Like, for example, Zay, do you think that a – the female that an actress nowadays in 2023 could be cast for a role that requires nudity at 11. Oh no! Yeah, that happened. Come on, y'all. That happened. Uh, it is, it, but it's a, it's an incredible documentary, and uh, Brooke Shields always been has always been one of my favorites. Um, but then I look when I look back at the timing of everything, I wasn't a lecherous old man towards her back in the day. She and I are basically the same age. Right. I was a little kid that thought another little kid was attractive. Oh, yeah, you're good. That's it. Yeah. I've never, but I've also never seen like more than 10 minutes of Blue Lagoon, and I haven't seen these other two movies that they talk about where I'm like, oh, my God, somebody made that movie? Why would you make that movie? Yeah. They did, though. Uh, that's out there on Hulu, if I'm not mistaken. All right, thanks to Joe Cook for his time. Texas in the regional against... Uh, Louisiana. By the way, we did not mention it earlier, but uh, you know, a heck of a season. But obviously, it didn't end the way Texas softball wanted it to. Yeah, it's tough. They went to Knoxville and they got busted up pretty good. Uh, I think the fi- uh, the second game was nine nothing by the end. Yeah, I mean Tennessee took them out clearly. Uh, Zay, everybody's chasing Oklahoma there. Oklahoma has now, since the start of the regionals, combined fifty five to twelve. In their five games. They've given up 12 runs in five games and scored 55. Y'all can do that math, right? That's 11 runs a game. Is that, is that good? Uh, something. 11? So annoying. 11. Like They're like Georgia in football. Yeah, and by the way, speaking of Georgia, uh, just like Georgia, they're back-to-back going for three in a row. Oh, th- this, this is the this third one? This would be one? three in a row, if I'm not Damn. mistaken. I think this would be three in a row. But the other thing for the SEC folks to realize in softball is when they join that softball conference, I don't think they're going to move the World Series out of Oklahoma City. Right. So they're still going to be going through um, what will obviously be a tough SEC, but they still get to go there. Oklahoma State does as well this year. Both, both of them have made the World Series. Wow. That's just got to be tough dealing with those two. So um, certainly a shout-out to Coach White and that softball team. They had a, another good year, but they didn't have the year they wanted going out in the Super Regionals. All right, let's get to the uh, flex segment. we got a couple uh, baseball teams still advancing and a couple football teams in 7-on-7 seven seven advancing. 
Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. I apologize in advance today. I have to mention Westlake twice in the Flex segment today. Good grief. I am so sorry. Uh, Westlake and Vista Ridge both advance in 7-on-7. They were over there at Westwood this weekend. So Lake Travis and San Marcos had already advanced. Now Vista Ridge and Westlake have advanced. Congratulations to those teams. There'll be one more. I think the Westlake um, SQT, if you will, is still coming up here in a week or so. And then they'll all head towards College Station in the latter part of June. Baseball-wise, Westlake did win. They've advanced to the regional finals. And also, we hear that Taylor has done the same thing. Quack. Go Ducks. Quack, quack. 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 That's what I'm talking about. If we're missing any area teams, let us know. I think Rouse was still in it as of last week. I have not heard if Rouse won. So let us know if they advanced. Also, Zay, if people go to the Flex Twitter account at FLXATX, the Flex crew got out there at the uh, 7-on-7 and got some nice video. Here's a shock. They got Adrian Wilson catching a touchdown pass, high-pointing a ball in the back of the end zone. Easy money right there. Shocker. Uh, if you haven't seen the talented Weiss wide receiver, he uh, was looking good, and I hope this is true. The guy that threw him the pass, Zay, he's on Twitter, at Jax Madden Brown. J-A-X Madden Brown. That's his quarterback. So you think he was named after John Madden? I don't know. I just like I the hope name. So. Ja- Either way, Jax Brown or Jax Madden Brown, that's fantastic. Apparently he's on the Weiss football team and the Weiss golf team, so he's talented. He's, he's got a little bit of talent. You can go check that that video out, video of Will Hammond making a nice throw for Hutto and a couple others as well. Um, from a little bit from that Anderson Round Rock matchup. So Shout out go- to our guy Nolan Hogan. Just hit me up now. Said that Westlake, or excuse me, Westwood has qualified in seven on seven. So three qualifiers this week out of six pools. Oh, because they had six pools. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Thank you to uh, to Nolan. Okay, so that's uh, good news there for Westwood also getting through. Uh, so congrats to all those teams that have advanced, and uh, you can check out Flex ATX on your socials at uh, and go Flex. Uh, flxatx.com as well. Wednesday night flex coming up tomorrow night at 7. Yo, somebody needs to take chaparrales out in baseball. Some, somebody. Uh, this winning stuff is getting a little old. Apparently they haven't been to this this far in baseball since like 09 I read today. It's been a while. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make me feel too much better, but, yeah, you know, that's something. Yeah, a little bit. Know. I'm just trying to help. Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> uh, Chad and Zay with you on this Tuesday. We started the show talking NBA, the Miami Heat winning Game 7, making it now to the NBA Finals. Zay, you referenced something earlier that has me a little concerned if I'm a Miami Heat fan going into this series. Because at the point where it looked like they were going to sweep, you and I started talking about the different matchups in, in the NBA Finals. But then from that point to the end, Bam Adebayo has been inconsistent, and that's about the best I can say. Dealing with Al Horford. There have been t- right. That's, you've been inconsistent dealing with Al Horford. Inconsistent Bam against these Celtics. Through those first three games, he was busting by Al Horford. He was making them look bad, and you and I were talking about, well, this could be an interesting freaky center matchup. He does not look that freaky right now if 
Bam Adebayo thinks that like 12 and 10 is going to be enough. He's going to get smashed in this series. I don't know what Spolster's got in mind, but he's really got to be worried about that, about the way Adebayo's playing and what Joker can bring. I don't know how much of a chance I'm giving the Miami Heat against the Denver Nuggets. Not much at all, to be honest. But if they want a chance to win this series, they got to win game one because Mm. they have to bank on the Nuggets being sluggish and sloppy due to them missing about nine days. It's nine full days off. Nine full days off. You got to take advantage of that. You got to take advantage of that. When you're in the Miami Heat, you're coming in. I wouldn't say hot because you've lost (laughs) three of the last four, but you're coming in with game experience recently, and that should help you a little bit. Now, how much legs are they going to have? That's the biggest question because that series was an absolute dogfight, like Mike Vick dogfight. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> how dare you? To make it out of that, it's tough. And Jimmy Butler, he was trying to keep his composure. I like what he did when Bam Adebayo tried to hand him the Eastern Conference trophy, and Jimmy was like, no, nah, I ain't trying to hold that trophy. The next one I'm trying to hold. Yeah. You know, he, I, went I dig, ho- he went hockey style. Yeah, I dig that. Some of the hockey guys don't even touch that trophy. You oh. know that, right? That's part of their little superstition. Hey, it is what it is. Sometimes they'll just take the picture. Maybe they'll pick it up and hold it with the commissioner for a second, set it back down, then they skate away. They don't want that one. They want the other one. Yo, I, I get it, but going into Denver, that's why I said if Tyler Hero's available, you really have to consider playing him just because that's fresh legs. Yeah. You know, I thought Highsmith gave them good minutes yesterday. He ripped Jason Tatum and got him a dunk when they went on a run. I think it was 33-18, to 18, and uh, Joe Mazzula had to call the timeout. So, Kevin Love, where's he going to be at? Because you're just going to need to throw bodies at Joker just to make him a little tired, just to give him different looks. We know Miami likes to play zone. You can't do that versus Denver. They will put Nikola Jokic at that high post, and he will take advantage and ball fake you and throw no-look passes and then get you buckets. Nikola Jokic is going to dominate the series. Well, and also just use the upgrade from Horford to him. It's tough. Like, there's no. I'm not missing anybody, right? The Celtics' starting center in this last series yeah. was Al Horford. Yeah, and Joe Mazzulla played Robert Williams more. Who knows what would have happened? I think Robert Williams, just his stamina, he can't play over 30 minutes. That's yeah. obvious. Man. And then you don't play Greg Williams in game one. So there's a lot going on with the Celtics that Joe Mazzulla is going to go back and say, man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. But if you're Bam on a bow, if you're Miami Heat, Coach Spolstra, what are you going to do in Nikola Jokic? What are you going to do with Jamal Murray? Do you want to put Jimmy Butler on him and have him exhausted the whole series? Right. You know, you're going to put Caleb Martin on him, which that might be your best bet, but I just, and I'm then, thinking of Aaron Gordon trying right. to guard Jimmy Butler. That's a great matchup for the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, he did not look good these last few games against the Celtics. He was decent last night, but it took him 28 shots just to get 28 points. Not very efficient. So yeah, and plus how you see last night he had a little limp going on. Did he now? A little bit towards the end of that game. Not like what Tatum was dealing with, but he was a little banged up by the end. He's gonna he may need this couple days rest and then the couple days between games one and two and two and three. But yeah, that, that's gonna be interesting to see how he comes out. Gabe Vincent can't be a hundred percent. They're gonna have to put him on Murray at times. Mm-hmm. 
You know, Bruce Brown, what are they going to do with him? Like, Bruce Brown's going to come in and guard oh, Jimmy Butler. God, I forgot about Bruce Brown. Oh, he's going to muck stuff up. Feels he's like a fresh. Month, a month since we saw him play. <laughs> it's been a hot minute. <laughs> it's been a hot minute. Michael Porter Jr., you're going to put Struess and Duncan Robinson on him? I like that matchup. Like, the Nuggets, it could get ugly. Yeah. It really can. And it's so hard to go against these Heat because of what they did against the Milwaukee Bucks, the New York Knicks, the Boston Celtics. Like, you can't count them out. You cannot count them out. They were a number one seed last year. That was just a Jimmy Butler three-pointer away from getting to the finals in 2022. So they felt like they should be here. And a lot of injuries throughout the season from Victor Oladipo, Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler missed games, Bam missed games. A lot of people missed games, which was a gift and a curse because now you got to play guys like Caleb Martin. Now you got to play guys like Gabe Vincent. Mm-hmm. And they ain't scared in the moment. They've shown that all playoffs long. So how much legs do you have left if you're Miami playing against this really fresh, no injuries to them? Denver Nuggets team. Yeah, you got a gut right now. If I made you pick right now, Nuggets and five. That's what I'm thinking too. Which sucks. I thought the exact same thing driving in today. I hate saying that. I hope I'm wrong. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I hope we're both I, wrong. I, I about just it. want a series. Like yesterday, right. I felt like when Jason Tatum got hurt in the first 26 seconds, you knew that it wasn't going to be the game that it should have been. Especially how good Game Six mm. was. Game Six was one of the best games. Dude, that was I've a hell of a seen. game. That was so good. Al Horford almost blew it. <laughs> yeah, just fouling Jimmy Butler for an and one, then hacking Jimmy Butler so he could take th- uh, three three or uh, three free throws from a oh three. Al Horford, you gotta get rid of him. It was a it was a great career, and they keep showing his spawn ass daddy. It was a great career, <laughs> Al. You play with Joe Kim Noah and Corey Brewer and won championships in the 2000s. You're old as hell. Joe Mazzula, he does not need to be averaging 35 minutes a game. Boston has announced that they will get rid of Horford when Miami gets rid of Haslam. That's the deal. (laughs) That's the deal. They're going to exit the league together. See, they get their old man. Gets no clock. Right, none. Zero. That's right. He'll probably be in, you know, Alonzo Mourning's position later on. They just keep those guys like that, which why would you leave Miami if you could? Like, I wouldn't. He stays on that bench so long with that hood over his head. I don't know if he has hair on the back of his head. I have no clue. I haven't seen Udonis Haslam's like uncovered head in a year and a half. Yeah, all these people that Steve Sarkeesian just hired and paid money. You can't find a spot for uh, Udonis Haslam that's not clogging up somebody that could maybe be on the roster. There's somebody overseas that deserves to be in the NBA, <laughs> and Udonis Haslam is taking up that spot. It is weird that they didn't just make him a coach. Just make him a coach. Everybody does that. And then he has the nerve to go out and say, no, I've been working behind the scenes. I've been doing this and that. Like, you could do that as a coach. Like, you could practice. You could sure. still practice and, like, help guys and work guys out and stuff. And what you, I don't – it makes no sense to me, but, hey mm. – Pat Riley, that's his dude. Hey, they have He's got, loyal. They've gotten themselves to the finals with it. We'll see if they can give the uh, Nuggets a series. That one starts on Thursday. All right, coming up at 2, speaking of basketball, Zay found another chat GPT discussion. It is a list generated of the top 25 point guards in college basketball. This is the worst one yet, y'all. Since 2000, Zay will give you his thoughts and... Who got upset about the list? We'll get into that as well. That's it, too. Up next, it's Where We At in Society. We'll see what else Zay wants to get into today. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. We hope you had a great long weekend. Keep it right here on The Horn. Chad and Zay. 
All right, rolling through a Tuesday. Just about done with May, believe it or not. June coming up pretty quickly. I do not recognize it, Zay, should I? No. Feels like this one's out of kind of a little bit of a curveball. What yep. do you got? The Brothers Johnson. Oh, okay. Strawberry Leather 23. <laughs> That's a great title. I don't understand it, but it's a great title. The Brothers Johnson. Any idea on a time frame here? 70s, probably. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a good sound. The Brothers Johnson, new edition, Madonna and Alice Cooper on the show today. By the way, coming up on Thursday, we do have an album and movie swap. Once again, this week, Zay's got to listen to the album, and it's Led Zeppelin 4. Have you gotten started on Led Zeppelin 4 I yet? Have, I have. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. And I have to watch Above the Rim, which Zay tells me is right up there with Blue Chips for all-time badass, great, but maybe kind of bad sports movies. Incredible. Is that where we're going? Yes. Hall of Fame level? Oh, yeah. You told me a couple people that are in it today. Did you tell me Tupac and Bernie Mac are both in it? Yes. Well, that's all I need to know. Yeah. One of my favorite rappers of all time and one of my favorite comedians of all time are in the same movie, and rest in peace for both of them. So right. I can, it's a trip down memory lane because I wish they were both still with us. So let's go. Yep. I'm willing. I'm willing to get it. Get it done. And one of your favorite actors ever, Wood Harris, Avon Barksdale. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, <laughs> as a fan of The Wire, I'm, I'm in. By the way, have I ever told you that every time I walk in the room, every time I walk in the room, and my wife's watching a show, and I say to her, "Oh, I know that actor or actress. If they're black, she'll always say to me, "Oh, is he on The Wire?" <laughs> Like, oh, hey, man. hey, I say every single black actor and actress was not on the wire. No. But then about 40% of the time, my answer is, yeah, actually he was. <laughs> he was. Shut up. He was. <laughs> hey, I know that person. Oh, was he on Good Times too? <laughs> it's so, like, I want to get on her every time for how stereotypical it is, but then I'm telling you, she's batting about 400. She's like Ted Williams in terms of her percentages. Oh, man. Hey, I know that actress. What? Was she Will Smith's girlfriend on Fresh Prince of Bel Air? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then I love getting her when I can walk in the room and I see a white actor or actress that was in The Wire. You know where I know him from? The Wire. <laughs> What do you have to say now? That's uh, a classic, man. I, I get it. I am looking forward to Above the Rim, hit the, hitting that one this week. All right, coming up, we'll get into that chat GPT discussion. Also, we need to go back over these new coaches that Steve Sarkeesian's bringing in. I had not realized a couple of these guys, uh, one of them's got a nice Dallas Cowboys connection from the past. Joe D. Camillus, the old special teams coach. He's been everywhere. Yeah, the guy Jerry and the Cowboys damn near killed with a building. You remember that story? No. When the temporary structure fell on Joe, that's why his neck is all stiff and everything. Damn. The practice bubble. They sent him out there to to practice, not just him, but like the team and the coach. They were out there in like a severe thunderstorm slash tornado thing that can happen up there in North, you know, North Texas. And the structure partially came down and it hit Joe D. Camillus. And thankfully he survived it, obviously. Yeah. 
but had to get like serious neck surgery done. And I can't remember if it was the spinal fusion he had to have or whatever, but he got messed up pretty good. Did he get some money from it or something? Uh, I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope. Damn, Jerry. I would hope every time he gets a little pain, Jerry has to pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Joe D. Camillus and a couple other guys coming in to help Steve Sarkeesian round out that uh, not official coaching staff, I guess. Uh, Joe coming in with the same title that Gary Patterson had, just a different type of uh, special assistant to the head coach. We'll get to all of that. Right now, let's get you some where we at in society, see what Zay wants to talk about today. Where are we at in society today? All righty, Zay. What do you got today? All right, Chad. You could go on your Twitter to see what's going down with today's Where Are We At story, which is absolutely nuts. I kind of hoped you were going to get to this. Yep. The NBA (laughs) has opened an investigation into Eric Lewis, an NBA referee who has made a burner account or supposedly has made a burner account hating on different parts of the league that he shouldn't even be talking about as a ref. So it's a, it's a conflict of interest. So it's a burner account. Do they know for sure he's created it? That's where they're investigating. They're looking, they're into looking it. in to see if it's him. This account just rips on the league in yep. all ways? Yes, like people ripping on refs and stuff. The burner will say, no, the refs weren't bad. The Celtics were just that bad. No, this isn't the ref's fault here. It's just the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron don't know how to get things done. It'll be saying stuff like that. Is it at Zebra Talk? Is that <laughs> no, is that like at Whistle- Cutliff Blair? And his username is Blair Cutliff. Oh my God. Yeah. He went Kevin Durant. He went KD. He burner he burner accounted himself to back himself up. Yeah, it's not a good look, huh? You can't just go out to eat. As the greatest basketball official in the Central Texas history, yes. this is a bad look. You've never done this? No. You didn't create burner accounts Absolutely to not. defend yourself? Absolutely not. 19 years in, Eric Lewis has. 19 years in, over 1,000 games, 82 playoff games. And he's going to put it all in jeopardy for this? For this? That's so gross. Dude, go out and eat. What are you doing? Why do you care Don't they that have, like, much? They have steakhouses in all these towns. Do they still play NBA games in big cities, or is it all in little country towns? <laughs> they go in big cities, Big cities, don't they? yeah, usually. Yeah, so he could probably get a seat, like a table at a good restaurant. Like, But you, you're up working on a burner account? What's crazy is it says that he's been one of the highest-rated officials in recent years. <laughs> so he's, this is like KD, like one of the best players. Why are you angry oh about what people think? Not even about him. Or maybe sometimes it is the games that he's officiating, but he's also going to bat for his homies, his peers, other NBA officials. Which he shouldn't be doing. Yeah, at all. Yeah, I mean, if you're at that dinner and somebody says, man, you know who's a terrible official? Mark. No, 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 Mark's not bad. Mark's not bad. I've worked with Mark for 12 years. That's how you do that. True, I used to throw refs under the bus. You ain't going to mess me up. Because they all think that all coaches and people in the crowd, they think that you work as one. They don't think the other two refs have minds of their own. Ah. And coaches will ask you, how could you call that? I would let coaches know, coach, I wouldn't have called that. I didn't make that call. That was a bad call. I tell refs straight up. And then the coaches sometimes will take advantage of that and be like, hey, your partner thinks that was trash too. I'm like, oh, coach, that was just between me and you. But whatever, I do think it was trash. By the way, did you see the same thing I did through your officiating eyes? That last play of game six with Derek White, one of the officials – 
called that a bucket before they checked it. The other two, I think, were ready to wave it off. But one guy walked in there and defiantly said, nope, it's good. He's in Miami. Game six, he says it's good. They go check it, and he was right. Yeah, it looked good. Like, when it happened, bang, bang, it looked good because he was so close to the light. That's why it was easier thought to it see. Was e- yeah. Like, since the ball and the tip-in was right by the backboard. So you might have caught you, – you thought you'd have probably seen that as good. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I definitely would have had to go look and thank goodness for a replay. But yeah. Now, keep in mind, I'm a Celtic hater, so in my, to my naked eye, I thought, no, no, no. I was like Jimmy Butler. No, 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 yeah. no. There's no way. Oh, Van but Gundy thought it was no good. Then you see the replay, and it was clear as a bell. The radio call thought it was no good. Really? That ended up being not a great call because they were just like, oh, I think it's going to be way – no, they say it's good. I mean, they, a lot of folks – to the naked eye, they thought it wouldn't, it wouldn't, that he, he just didn't time it right, that it was just a little bit late, right. but no, nah, he nailed it. Yeah, what a crazy play. Dude, this is, yeah, this is an absolutely nutty story. I saw this, I thought of you immediately, and I'm like, a burner account for an NBA ref. Now, as much as I think the ref should be a little more, in all sports, a little more transparent, we shouldn't hide them like we do, they get hidden a little too much. Like, I think there should be, if you have a a controversial game especially, throw the officiating crew, the full crew, throw them up in front of the media if it's that big a deal. Yeah. We don't need to be hiding, but you don't need to be doing this. Have your own, let them have their own account if he wants to. Set up the rules where Eric Lewis could have at Eric Lewis NBA ref. And let him, do just like Durant, Durant should be okay to have his own account. What you can't do is have fake accounts because now it just feels, that feels silly. Now we're way too far inside. <laughs> so, so, somebody said on a tweet, they said Lakers sweep, but no Eric Lewis. And then Blair Cutliff, who's supposed to be the uh-huh. Eric Lewis uh, a burner, he goes, ain't his problem. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't think he was ever the problem. That's what he said. That's good. You know what they should have done back way back? Eric Lewis should have gotten in touch with Kevin Durant, and they just let each other run the burner accounts just to get it off your plate, just so you could relax. Yeah, this isn't no Donahue situation, but it's not good. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not good. That's not what you need. NBA is looking into that right now. We'll see if Eric Lewis gets punished. And did I read correctly? Eric Lewis has been out of these playoffs since the conference, yes. like early conference finals. Yep. He hadn't, hadn't ref the game in a while. Yep, and when you got LeBron tweeting about it, that's not good either. Oh, yeah, that's Because he went out and said, I know this Eric Lewis-ish ain't true. Mm. And you know how much LeBron, you know, attention that he likes and he gets. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Eric. Your career might be over. Ooh, that's rough. That is rough. We'll keep an eye on that story as well. Up next, let's go back to this chat GPT. The algorithm came up with a top 25 list of point guards in college basketball since 2000. We'll see what Zay thinks of the list, and he'll tell you what another basketball mind thinks of the list, among others. We'll get into it next on The Horn.